Throughout this study, we've talked a lot about the personal presence of God, uh, but a lot of believers would say, you know, there are stages of my life, sometimes long seasons, where I can't feel the presence of God. It seems like God is silent. It seems like I'm not seeing a, a lot of evidence of His activity in my life. Um, does that mean that God is, is absent? Does that mean that I'm not full of the Holy Spirit or that I'm not filled with His presence? That's the question we want to deal with in this session is what do you do when God feels absent? few things I want to give you to think about. Number one is you should realize that this has been the experience of the greatest Christians throughout biblical history. Some of the Bible writers talked about extended seasons where they felt distant from God. King David is a great example. Seems like, like more than half of the Psalms are him asking God, God, where are you? God, I can't see you. God, God I can't see evidence of what you're doing. Um, the prophet Jeremiah, that's what the whole book of Lamentations is about. God, where is the evidence of your activity? God, sometimes I feel like you're against me. The whole book of Job, 38 chapters where Job is saying, God, I don't understand where you are. Um, some of the, the, the greatest Christians in, in modern history have talked about this, this sense that in the time when they felt like they needed God most, God felt distant. C.S. Lewis in a book called A Grief Observed, um, after his wife had died, talked about going to God in the hour when he felt like he needed him most. And instead what he found was a door slammed in my face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, Silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in our time of trouble? Somehow that never seems to make it on everybody's favorite list of, of C.S. Lewis quotes on their Facebook page. But do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like walking with God, you're in kind of a, a barren place, a cold place where I just don't feel the warmth of his presence or see the evidence of his activity? The second thing to understand during a time like this is that that feeling that you're abandoned by God is just an illusion. Here's how we know it's just an illusion. When Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane, he experienced true aloneness. The Gospel of, of Mark says that when he went into the garden, he was overcome with a sense of shocking horror. The way that Mark writes it, it, it means it happens all at once. It's like he saw something. Greek scholars say that word horror communicates the emotion you would feel if you came home and found your family murdered and, and mutilated there in your house. Um, what it, exactly had he seen? Well, Mark kind of shows you in the context three times Jesus prays for the presence of the Father. Three times he calls out to be close to his father like he's experienced for all eternity. And for the first time in all of eternity, he's not met with a loving embrace. He's met by total and absolute silence. Luke says that th this, this feeling of abandonment was so weighty upon him that he began to sweat great drops of blood, a, a, a medical condition that doctors call hematridosis, where the strain on your body is so great that the capillaries in your face begin to burst. One of the pastors at our church last summer, he told me that, um, that his wife had had their three sons at the pool, and as they were leaving, she was putting their, her sons into the car, and she noticed that her younger son wasn't with them, and so she went back to the pool. There was nobody else there. Um, there, to her horror, she sees 
sees her four-year-old son lying unconscious at the bottom of the deep end of the pool. Uh, she jumps in, she, she pulls him out, she begins to do CPR on him. She calls the ambulance and the ambulance comes and, and by the grace of God, they're able to resuscitate him. Um, they take him to the hospital where the doctors say, we wanna keep him overnight and just run some tests on him, make sure he's okay. Well, our pastor gets there to the hospital and he goes into the room where his son is and he notices that his, his son has all these little purple blotches all over his face. And so we asked the doctor, he's like, what's, you know, what's with these purple blotches? And the doctor says, it appears that right before your son lost consciousness, he was so afraid, crying out um, for you, for your wife to come and rescue him, that it made the, the capillaries in his face burst. That's exactly what happened to Jesus when he was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. He's crying out for the presence of the Father to be with him. And all that he's met with is absolute and total silence. Gethsemane literally means oil press because that's exactly what's happening to Jesus. The very life of him is being pressed out as God is forsaking him. This whole event would culminate in Jesus from the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But see, here's the thing. He was doing that for you and me. And what that meant was that he went into utter aloneness where he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that I would know that in my hour of desolation that I'm not forsaken by God. He was forsaken once and for all so that I would never have to be. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him literally to become my sin so that in him I could become the righteousness of God. Jesus prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that I could claim the promise of Hebrews 13.5 that you will never leave me or forsake me. So when you feel like God has abandoned you, realize it's an illusion. It has to be because Jesus was abandoned for you. Martin Luther, who went through many of his own periods feeling like he was distant from God said that God uses these times of apparent distance as one of his best tools in growing us. He said God uses this illusion to test our faith in the promises that he makes us in the gospel. Luther said it's like a, a parent who is pushing against the push of his child with only enough resistance to test the resolve of, of his child or, or to strengthen his child. He said that's what God is doing with us. He allows us to go through this illusion of abandonment to test our faith in what God said he finished for us on the cross through Jesus. And that leads me to the third thing. You should realize that the Spirit of God does his best work in you in those dark hours. I think an amazing example of this is King David. Uh, King David had a situation in his life that I'm sure felt like a spiritual high. I mean, he was out in the pasture as a young boy minding the sheep when Samuel came along and anointed him as the, the, the next king of Israel. I mean, imagine what that was like. God had selected him. So what happened next? Did David get whisked off to the palace to start trying on robes and get interviewed by Israel Today magazine? No, he went back to the pasture. In fact, we don't hear anything about David's life for about seven years when at that point he goes up to visit his brothers and that's when he encounters Goliath. That's the next major event in his life. In my Bible, when it talks about uh, where Samuel anoints David, there's a break and then there's this white space and then it goes on and starts talking about something else. And I remember looking at that white space one time and thinking, what was that white space like for David? He'd just been anointed the king of Israel, and now there's silence. God's not writing anything. Nothing seems to be happening. I'm sure David asked that question, God, where are you? But we know that it was during that white space that God did some of his best work in David. That's when David would learn the skill to fight the lion and the bear, learn to trust God uh, to defeat things that were much bigger than him, which is the skill and the faith that he would use to defeat Goliath. 
It was during that white space of apparent inactivity that David learned as a shepherd that the concepts that would later become the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These concepts that he learned in the pasture would become the most famous Christian worship song ever written. I realize that that white space can be a difficult season. I've experienced it a number of times myself. When I was in seminary, my best friend and I weren't real satisfied with just going to class and we felt like we were wasting our time. We wanted to be out somewhere making a difference and saving the world. And so we quit taking our classes as seriously and we were just always out in ministry in different places. Well, the president of our university, Paige Patterson, brought my best friend into his office. And when my best friend got there, there was a little kitty sand pail filled with sand, a little plastic shovel in it. And Dr. Patterson told my, my friend, he said, everywhere you go for the next seven days, 24 hours a day, I want you to take this little sand pail with you. He said, when you go to class, I want it to sit on the floor beside you. If you preach somewhere, I want it to be on the stage beside you. When you go to sleep at night, I want it to be sitting on the floor beside your bed. Of course, my friend asked why, and Dr. Patterson explained, this sand represents the sand of the desert that God put the apostle Paul in after he called him to be an apostle. For three years, God put Paul in the desert to just to teach him more about the gospel. Dr. Patterson explained, whenever God calls somebody in the Bible, it always seems to be followed by a, a wilderness time. King David went back to the pasture. The apostle Paul went into the desert. Moses went into the, the, the desert for 40 years after God appointed him to be the rescuer of Israel. Dr. Patterson said, you need to understand that if King David and the Apostle Paul and Moses were not too good for a wilderness time, you're not too good for it either. That God has a time of preparation that feels like a desert where you gotta learn to be faithful in the small things, which includes your classes. You gotta be learned to be faithful in relationships. You gotta learn to serve at your church. He said, during these times of what appears to be mundane activity are the times when God is doing his best work in you because he is shaping you into the person that he wants you to become. Realize that feeling that you are separated from God is just an illusion. We know it's an illusion because of what Jesus went through on the cross where he was separated for us so that we would never have to be. And then understand that it is in your darkest hours that God is doing his best work. It's when he did it for David. It's when he's done his best work in my life. And I'm confident that it's when he's doing his best work in you.